Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Radio Wolf, our international global webcast for consciousness and culture. And I'm very happy to have my dear friend Bayo Akumalafe with us. Bayo, great to see you. Uh, great that you're with us. Thank you for joining Radio Wolf. Great to be with you again, brother. May I introduce you to whoever doesn't know who you are? Bayo Akumalafe, a lecturer, speaker, proud diaper changer. Is this still, still true? Are you still a diaper changer? <laughs> yeah, that has changed a bit. <laughs> I guess I guess it's changed a bit. Bio I need curates, to update the bio. <laughs> bio creates an earthwide project for the recalibration of our ability to respond to civilizational crisis. And I guess we are in a civilizational crisis, a project framed within a feminist ethos inspired by indigenous cosmologies. He considers this a shared art, exploring the edges of intelligible post-humanist ideas, the mysterium of quantum mechanics, and the liberating sermon of ecofeminism. He is executive director and chief curator for the Emerge Network and much more. And Bio, uh, more than anything else, you are just a very interesting thinker, lecturer, uh, and uh, observer of our times. So I just want to ask you a simple question. Uh, okay. What is important right now? Mm. I have just the answer for you. <laughs> Good. I know exactly what to say. <laughs> what is important right now is June 30th. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the most important thing right now. <laughs> Uh, June 30th ha happens to be the birthday of my son, uh -huh. who's three years old. Yeah. Uh, Kea Abayomi is his name. And, uh, and he represents not just a son to me. He's the figure of um, eruptions in, in the landscape of EJ's and my life. Mm -hmm. he, EJ's my wife, for those who are listening. Um, also a friend to Thomas. Um, it, our son represents this, this cataclysmic event, almost, mm -hmm. that, that is inviting us to relearn the way we meet the world, the way we understand normal, the way we understand ourselves. Um, so he's like, um, he's like a trace in the sky. Um, like a messianic burst. Um, June 30th also happens to be the, the day um, of the Tunguska event. Mm -hmm. Tunguska event uh, in 1908 was um, an atmospheric phenomenon. Um, some attribute it to be a, a, a meteor and an asteroid exploding a few hundred uh, feet above the ground somewhere in Siberia. And this event is so powerful. Um, it has been compared to the Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, mm -hmm. nuclear bomb blasts. Um, it flattened thousands, tens of thousands of trees. Uh, we don't still understand what happened. We just knew that something exploded in midair and everything flattened. Um, when was that? This was 1908, June 30th, 1908, okay. 1908, the Tunguska event in Siberia. Mm 
somewhere in the forest in Siberia. So not many humans were in, affected by this. Mm -hmm. It was mainly trees and curiosity. And with that flattening, it basically liquefied the ground, mm -hmm. turned it into liquid for a, a very, very infinitesimal moment in time. Everything became fluid. I think of my son and the Tunguska event diffractively, almost like, you know, um, like this eruption, this cosmic appearing that renders everything indeterminate so that we cannot speak in the same way we know how to speak before. Mm -hmm. um, and all the things, all the ways we know how to categorize the world and say, this is important, this is not important. This is big, this is small. This mm -hmm. is here, this is there, becomes indeterminate. Mm -hmm. So in response to your question, and in my saying June 30th, I'm saying it's almost impossible to know what is important that the blasts of the coronavirus, the blasts of the Anthropocene, the blasts of George Floyd, and all these epidemiological, racial, climatic blasts mm -hmm. blasting into each other have rendered our world very molten. There's hardly solid ground left. There mm -hmm. hardly, there's hardly fundamentals we can plant our feet on. And now we must ask the question, and stay with the trouble of not exactly knowing our way around what is now important. So the question, the answer to the question is the question. What is now important? What is now important? Mm -hmm. I mean, this event in Siberia. Uh, yes. I don't know if you uh, uh, consciously uh, uh, use it as an example, but I guess you did, uh, because somehow the virus is flattening our, uh, our global uh, atmosphere yeah. right now uh, yeah. in a way that not only flats are falling uh, and are flat. Uh, uh, as you're saying, a lot is falling, a lot is flat. And yeah. uh, also the smartest of the smartest uh, are in a point where they admit that they don't know, yeah. which is maybe a progress. <laughs> which is maybe yes. which is maybe good, uh, which is maybe uh, a moment where we realize uh, uh, that we really don't know. Maybe we haven't known anyway before, but we yeah. uh, we, we, we we thought so. But we many agree uh, that uh, uh, this time uh, uh, is. A turning point, uh, a, a, a point where something happens. I don't even know if it's a, if, if it's a turning point. Mm -hmm. And the question is, of course, how, how to deal with it? Uh, how to yeah. deal with it? I mean, we can, uh, out of uh, whatever uh, fear or whatever the motivation is, kind of group around strong leaders and uh, and, and look for security. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we can. Um, kind of have also kind of solutions of the better world that we already know how to create them and now, now yeah. try to execute them. And I know that you are someone who, who, who doesn't go with answers like this. And that's, that's the reason why I wanted to ask you. Because mm. in some way, maybe that's not fair, but I say it anyway, uh, uh, this is your moment. Mm. Mm. Uh, because... 
things that you were saying all the time. I mean, we had several conversations over the last 10 years, 15 years, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you were always saying things uh, that uh, now are very much echoed by the reality that we are living in. So yeah. uh, is basically the uh, reality catching up with you? <laughs> Uh, in a sense, these things have happened before, right? Um, this is not the first time that the world has ended. It has ended many times before. Mm -hmm. I know people speak about advents. Um, Melasur, the French philosopher, um, speaks about advents. Um, um, others speak about the great, the, the great demise of multiple civilizations, the industrial turn, and this marking some kind of shift. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I feel that, um, that even though this has happened before, not in the same way, obviously, even though this has happened before, um, this is unprecedented. Um, not, just, not just the details, but the way we're approaching it, it's rather unprecedented. The epidemiological variety um, of, uh, of viruses in the air, um, the, the micro and macro fascisms um, that are at large. Uh, you just said, you spoke about people running to strong leaders and strong men. Um, there'll be all kinds of responses in these times. Um, that makes me pause when I say this is the age of the new. I don't know how to speak like that with that kind of certainty. But I, I do find that there is a kind of response that might be precious. And that is to work with the fluidity and the indeterminacy of this time mm -hmm. so that we don't repeat the familiar, so that we don't reinforce the status quo. Now, that is some kind of different kind of work. It's not exactly clear how to go about that, but I feel that in geological shifts and, you know, history tells us that some of the sanctuaries of old were built on fissures or fault lines, you know, in the ground when the, the whole earth vibrated in an earthquake and the ground split open, you know, um, people would, civilizations or societies would build sanctuaries, temples on that fault line or close to that fault line because they knew that a crack in the ground was a generous space, was a generous place. That was where they could hear ancestors. That was where they could receive insights from underground, what the Greeks called katabasis. So I do feel that there is, there are cracks everywhere. The, the land isn't smooth anymore. And now there is a felt invitation to stay with those cracks. That's what I feel is really vital now. When you say stay with those cracks, uh, uh, this is a message uh, I very much connect you uh, uh, with uh, because er every time when people uh, seek for answers, uh, uh, you are the you are one of the ones who basically says uh, stay with the cracks. <laughs> uh, and uh, just um, there's. I mean, there's, there's one sentence of you that, that Elizabeth and I uh, used uh, so many times. Uh, times are really getting serious. We have to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
which is, uh, yeah, something uh, which for me is very much bio. <laughs> Uh, why? Why, why, do we need why to slow stay down? with the cracks? Why slow down? Um, I theorize cracks as sites of queer production um, of different kinds of values and possibilities that are not available to the surface. And so what do I mean here? That how we behave, how we respond, how we think might be thought of as a surface phenomenon. Um, more or less, we think alike. Um, uh, even when we're in opposition to each other, we enact um, the imperatives and the ideas of vast networks of, and, and systems. We think like modern citizens. We think with the city and the city thinks through us. Um, so I dare, I dare say, I dare say um, redemption. Let me use that word, even though it's loaded and charged. Redemption comes when um, a rift in the ground opens up and then mm -hmm. new things can be produced. When I think of cracks, I think a crack is a place where a name or a tool does something else that tools are not supposed to do. Cracks are in human beings and identities. Cracks are everywhere. It's when something happens, an event that isn't um, uh, anticipated or computed or, you know, expected. Something mm -hmm. like a miraculous place. I can use the Congo River, you know, um, as an example. In the, somewhere in the middle, it's not quite the middle, but uh, there's, a, there's a higher and a lower river. Um, between those, you know, is a very rich place where strange species of fish have been found. And it's this place where um, evolution just kind of quickened, if you will. Um, everything just kind of sped up. So people going there now are finding species of fish that you wouldn't find um, anywhere mm -hmm. else in the world. I feel cracks are places of abundance like that, where questions, where new ways of thinking, where new ways of conducting inquiry can happen and are invited to happen. Mm. But there's something uh, with what you're saying uh, that stands out for me very much. And uh, I, I just want to see if, uh, if you would see it the same, the same way, because the way you are talking to stay with the cracks, uh, you have to have a lot of trust in cracks because mm. when, we are, when you're talking about the Congo river, you, you talking about place of abundance yeah uh one also could talk in cracks uh, talking about cracks places of the abyss mm -hmm. uh and of something that, that i really have to i we we as a species or even we as life have to find protection you're not going there uh, uh there's there's something where where, where you are more uh Uh, cautious about our reactions to try to protect something, uh, to try to, to, to find a solution, uh, where I feel that you're always calling us to, uh, to go where usually the place where we, that we fear most and that you, yeah. have, that you think that whatever is needed is there. Why? Hmm. Um. 
this is partly um, due to my immersion in my own traditions um, and the teachings of those traditions mm -hmm. that when, when you're met with something exceedingly monstrous, when you're met with trouble, the thing to do is not to run away. If you run away, you risk get, getting yourself caught again. It's very hard to escape you know, a storm or a hurricane if mm -hmm. you're close by. You don't want to run away. Um, the thing to do is to fall down flat, is to prostrate your, yourself to the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Is to kiss your head to the ground. Um, and Yoruba people uh, encoded that lesson in the way we greet our elders. We fall to the ground and we put our face, faces to the ground. Um, this act of prostration, this act of lying flat to the ground in humility, in surrender, could also be diffractively read into the ancient myth of the libation. That it's when the libation was poured that the monstrous revenge or vengeful um, destructive acts of an Egyptian goddess named Hathor was stayed. Um, that it was only then that we found the stability that we wanted so badly. Um, so the thing to do is to keep offering libations. And I feel that there is this, around the world, there are invitations to fall, you know, to descend. Catabasis is a word um, for descending into the underground. Mythologies and stories across the world tell the, uh, invite people to fall, to go to the, the place of darkness, mm -hmm. right? Go to the place of chirotic darkness and meet the monsters that you have banished away from your civilizations. Until you do that, you risk continuing in the same shapes that gave birth to the trouble that you now see. Mm -hmm. What you're seeking is not healing. What you're seeking is dismantling. What you're seeking is not increased capacity. What you're seeking is incapacitation. What you're seeking is to be undone. Mm -hmm. And in being undone, you might notice other ways of being alive in the world. That's mm -hmm. why I say the things I do. Mm. The way I hear you, and uh, there may be a projection, uh, and I, 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 I want to I find out, but uh, when you talk about uh, basically also uh, let go of the civilizations, uh, that, that, that also talks about the civilizations that, that we are living in. Mm -hmm. And the civilizations that we are living in is... Uh, if I may call it this way, a predominantly a white European civilization. Yeah. And I am sitting here as a white European. You, you are sitting here as a black brother. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow we are together in the same story, but we are yeah. also uh, different parts of the story. That's part of yeah. it too. Yeah. And part of my story is... Uh, 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 if I like it or don't like it, this civilization, uh, to a big degree, is my civilization. Um, my, yeah. my my people, whoever you, uh, uh, however far you want to go, we created this the last 500 years. And uh, uh, we believed in it. And uh, uh, we, uh, we we thought that this is salvation for, for, the, for, for the world that is coming. Yeah. Uh, you seem to... Uh, uh, come from a different place, and I think part of the conversation uh, that we 
that we need to have is also the conversation from, from these different sides. Uh, uh, is, is this part of, uh, is this part of our conversation? Does it, this have to be part of our conversation? I believe so, brother, because I believe uh, um, the Italian philosopher Giorgio Gambin um, writes about the anthropological project. And by the anthropological project, the anthropos is invoked. And the anthropos is this, is the ongoing production of the individual, the ongoing historical, conceptual, ecological production of man. And man is a racialized figure. Um, the human is a racialized figure. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, not everyone has, gr- has been granted access into that category of being human. Um, modernity itself is premised on a very troubling binary between the human and the animal. Um, and even when access has been granted to persons like me or civilizations like the ones that I come from, it has usually been to occupy the lower end of a spectrum, to mm-hmm. sit closer to the animal, um, so that even the form of viol- uh, inclusion that um, materializes in our activisms today, in our nation states today, in our international global order today, is a form of violence, is a form of occlusion and, and deeper problematic exclusions and displacements. Um, so. At, at, the, at the heart of this conversation is the figure of man, which is already invoked in the concept of the Anthropocene. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the anthropological project winds or its way or sympathizes closely with that other notion of whiteness. Whiteness being a network of um, archetypes and longings and strategies, not just white identified persons, but more than human um, contributions as well. So that actually, it's not entirely your civilization. It's a civilization of microbes and bacteria in your gut and in our guts that is reinforcing these, what we call our civilization. In a sense, it has never been ours. We've contributed to it. We've been enlisted by it but it has never been fully ours. That's my takeoff point, my point of departure for noticing that the kind of work we want to do today is not to vilify the Anthropocene or to vilify the Anthropos, um, which would be reinforcing some other problematic binaries that reinforce the same terrain we're trying to recover from. It is to do the kind of work that allows us to touch our oddkin. That's what Donna Haraway calls it a biologist, the odd kin, the others in the world that we have already, we're already entangled with. And Mm -hmm. I'm talking about tables and chairs and pixels and dogs and ideas. The, the, we, we, you know, the invitation is to increase the sociality um, of behaving, of contributions today. And notice that man is not the only agential being in the room. We're not the only ones. We're, we, we've always been indebted to the world at mm. large. So that, that, that is the way that I'll frame um, that problem. Maybe this is in some way also the crux of the matter. Because, I mean, I was asking this question also because uh, a big percentage of, of our audience here 
uh, comes from this white man background. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, most of us uh, are coming uh, coming from this perspective. And the way you, you you put it right now, you you put some you you put something uh, in the center of the question that is uh, unquestionable, the highest of our values. Um, and mm. with manhood, I don't mean kind of the masculine, whatever. I, yes, I, yes. I, I, I mean uh, enlightenment, uh, uh, our capacity, uh, our, our capacity to to freely do the good thing. Uh, and, and to, to be a good human being, to be a good citizen, to be a good citizen of the world, uh, to be a good brother to all uh, brothers and sisters, uh, mm -hmm. all these kind of capacities, are, which um, honestly is very dear to me. Uh, mm -hmm. Just when I, when I mention it, I can't, I can't can't take a neutral position to that. I, I mean, mm -hmm. when I just voice it, I I, I feel it. Uh, this is this is close to my heart. <laughs> uh, uh, and you say, wait a moment, uh, maybe uh, maybe there's something to look at. Mm. Uh, am I right? Yes, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> this isn't new, right, Thomas? This that same that same um, feeling of that same sh shorty, that certainty, that confidence that we are good people and we are doing the right thing, and we are working in the name of, of Her Majesty and for the glorification of modern civilization led to the enslavements of 11 million or more people from the continent of Africa. I mean, the first slave ship of repute that, that was blown by the wind to, the Af to African shores was named after Jesus Christ. It was called Jesus of Lubeck. Lubeck being a ship making uh, an old city in, in now present Germany. Um, so Jesus of Lubeck was manned by, um, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name, Sir Frank Francis, I forget. Um, and, and he would pray, you know, every day on the ship. He would pray as they stole people and they would commit their voyages to the hand of the supreme moral being of the universe as people were shackled, you know, to despair and suffering. So, so it, I think, in a sense, we um, the liberal humanist myth is being tasked in these times. Liberal humanism being the stickiest political story that we are internally good, that we are the ground of rational thinking, you know, and rational and rational thinking uh, represents the highest form of thinking. That we are masters of ourselves, you know, masters of interoception the interiority of our feelings, that we have self-knowledge, you know, and that we are, and that nature, this is European uh, romanticism from the 18th century. Nature is a beautiful outside thing, you know, it's outside and it's beautiful, you know, and it's, uh, it's harmonious, it's harmonious, it's, it comes together. But, but we are learning that, you know, nature produced the coronavirus and the coronavirus is anything but harmonious. That nature sometimes will will withdraw its endorsement, and that we are we are in we are indebted to yeah. to this. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, the coronavirus because okay. uh, the, the the coronavirus uh, uh, s somehow uh, is exactly uh, in line with everything uh, that we are talking about. 
because of course uh, the, the response, uh, I call it the European response, is vaccination. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, when you were talking about uh, the more than human world, and you, when you're talking about the microbes, uh, what came to my mind was uh, the coronavirus. Uh, that, that's part. That's part of it. In another conversation I had, I had uh, just a couple of days ago, I heard the first time that uh, 25% of the DNA that is life in my body is micro are viruses, is microbes. Are viruses. Mm-hmm. 25%. Uh, that's 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 not nothing. Uh, and so. There is this, uh, there's this thing, this, this, this microbe, this virus, there's this threat. Uh, however, you think it's, it's over-exaggerated or not over-exaggerated, I would like, like to leave beside for the moment, but it's there and, uh, and uh, 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 hundreds of thousands of people dying. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's uh, out of the virus itself or out of fear response or out of people to make power moves with all of this. Uh, the, the economy worldwide is, is at a halt. Uh, uh, the US is in a poverty, not not a poverty crisis, it's in, it's in hunger crisis, uh, 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 like uh, uh, not since 1929. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, and th- this is, these are all, yeah, quite uh, uh, frightening uh, uh, situations. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yes, I want to be. A, uh, I, I, I want to have a good response. Uh, y- y- yes, I, w- I want to do the right thing, uh, uh, and I want to have an ecological response. I also want to be with nature. I want to be with the virus. I want to be not just enlightened, but I want to be also postmodern enlightened, and uh, yeah. I want to embrace my black brothers and sisters and and, and, and all of that. Uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, if, if I just may push you, yeah, it seems uh, that, that uh, you think that's more of the same. Hmm. I, th- I think so, brother. That's my fear, too. <clears throat> when the virus hit earlier this year, I wrote about, even bef- before it did, I wrote January 2nd, 2020, um, that I felt very strong energies and I knew I, knew I wasn't the only one. Um, but, but I wrote about this being the year of the third way. And the, and the fugitive path. And by that, I meant, you know, that, that as things get crazy, we will need something more than solutions to address this. And I didn't know about a pandemic then. And then the pandemic hit and well, we fell into quarantine. And months afterwards, here we are now in the month of December at the end of the year of the pandemic. And we're still trapped in a normal. I can tell you how things are unfolding here in India. Um, there, there isn't some kind, there isn't some kind of even policy shift. Like maybe we should be humble about downing trees and cutting down, um, encroaching on um, environments. Maybe mm-hmm. we should rethink this metro, giant metro train system that we're trying to build, which is really happening here. Um, instead, everything is just fast forward. We've missed a lot of time. Let's speed on. Um, and so you speak about the vaccine being a rational response. Yes, it's this, it's this um, I, I, I don't want to call it a Eurocentric. Since the borders of Europe 
are not just in Europe. <laughs> the borders of Europe and Euro-America are almost global, not total, but almost global. Um, and it seems everyone, most people, at least that are talked about in mass media, are concerned that we need to get a vaccine um, to, to cure, you know, to, to save the day. But what we're now responding to is the more than virus. It was a new materialist position. Um, I wouldn't even call it a new materialist position, but there's a particular school of thought that has to do with the, the generous materiality of everything that says everything is so, everything is so relational that our rationalities cannot capture it. You know, a part of itself withdraws into itself. It's unavailable for analysis. It's unavailable for experimentation. It's unavailable for, for intelligibility. That's what I call the crack, that there's mm -hmm. some aspect of the world that does not want to be seen by humans, which is a scandal to modern citizens. There's, a, there's an aspect of the world that is beyond articulation. Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of this virus that we are not meeting. We, we're only meeting the enemy, right? We want to kill the virus, get rid of the virus, get rid of climate change. It's the theory of war over and over again. And what we miss is that this, even if we won this war, we would be back where we started, inside the prison of the anthropological project that sees us as central to the world, that does not see viruses as living beings having their claims in how the world comes to matter. Um, and so we're trapped in the same bubble of doing and repeating and repeating the same over again. Um, and finally, on this coronavirus topic, in India, in Kerala, I read during the, in the heat of the pandemic that some women went to a beach and they built an altar and they dedicated this altar composed of biscuits and, and sweets and toffees. They built this altar dedicated to the Corona goddess. And it was in the news, in the newspaper. And I remember people laughing about that. Oh, that's a nonsensical response. We need a serious business approach to stuff. But a serious business approach has left us in the, in, in the quicksand. We're stuck. We need something different, weird. So how, how, how do we meet this? Uh, brother, that's, uh, how do we meet this? I wish I had perfectly framed answers to regurgitate every time I'm asked this question. Um, but I feel that this is, this is, this is a dynamic question. Um, in part, it's an impossible question. Why do I say it's impossible? Because uh, on one end, uh, it's not a question that can be easily answered, yes. But on one end, it's, uh, the question kind of reinstalls the human as the holder of agency. Like, what do I do about this? What do I do about the world? What do I do about these changes? Um, the risk of that question is that it tends to uh, blind us to the other doings that are around us, the other things that are agentially alive, the other activisms, mm -hmm. bacterial, microbial, animist, ancestral, ecological, archetypal activisms that are working. You know, we tend to frame the anthropological as the center of transformation. Um, but this 
when we notice the other swirling masses around us and we say, oh, we're not the only one in the room, then the question might transform. And yet, you know, uh, the question is quite uh, situated. And I understand the condition for that because we don't want to be overwhelmed and we don't want to drown away. We want to thrive. We want to live well with people. We want to live, you know, well with the world around us. So I understand where the question is coming from, but it, it needs us to meet the complexity and the dynamism of a world that exceeds us. So what I've been doing is I've been framing a conceptual holder or device, which I call making sanctuary. And making sanctuary is a way to invite inquiry to happen around this question you've just held. Mm -hmm. Now, what do we do today? Who do we meet? Whose agency do we appeal to? Where is the power? Who is the actor? Questions like that. Of course, the question, how do we meet this? Maybe uh, sounds different uh, uh, if we slightly rephrase it and ask how do we meet them? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. I love that. And uh, if you rephrase it this way, how, how can we meet them? Yeah, yeah. How can we meet them? That's a beautiful question. How can we meet them? How can we make ourselves available to be met by them? Mm -hmm. Right? It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, the, it's humble. And, and, and humble humility comes with a coming down to earth. The humus is in the word, right? Mm -hmm. Earth. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to fall off our high horses. We, we are also coming to the end of our uh, 45 minutes here. Yeah. And uh, I, I know that falling from our high horses is also, at least as I understand the core of what you ask us to do. Uh, but um, also to fall there to, to be able to meet. I, I, I'm still with what you said in the middle of the conversation about your own tradition uh, where you just uh, knee down. I can't even remember. Uh, prostrate, uh, yes. Prostrate uh, to whom and what. But it was a, a powerful image. Uh, mm. uh, and I think uh, just... As a, as a human position to take, to prostrate, and maybe not even knowing who I'm prostrating to or who we are prostrating mm. to, but acknowledge that there is something to prostrate to is maybe also a good starting point mm. uh, to meet them, whoever mm. they are. Yes, yes, yes. You, you know how they say, well, I'm not, not exactly a wildlife person. I'm quite indoorsy. But you know how they say when you meet certain beasts animals uh -huh. powerful elders you know living in the wilds you you you, you curtsy or you bow your head <laughs> you bow your head to to approach you don't look directly into their eyes i think it's with silverback gorillas or something uh -huh. but 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 i think this almost the same idea is here where we are met by this is not something that will this is an ironic victory if pfizer and moderna you know, become the end of the conversation. Like we've come up with a virus, I mean, with a vaccine, <laughs> I said a virus, we've come up with a vaccine, everyone back to the office, 
everyone back to normal. Let's fly even twice as much as we did before. Let's do everything as we used to. Um, yeah, it's civilizations never know when they're about to die. Um, I think things even ramp up when it's at close to its demise. So I, I think there, there is generosity even in the midst of ruin and demise. And there's an invitation for us to meet those, those many manifold ones that are around us. What kind of inquiry could that be? If people, if people compose the weird politics um, around that, mm. what could that look like? Ayo, thank you so much for this conversation. I am grateful, brother. Thank you.